Ed Harris, without a doubt, makes a mark with every performance he gives on screen. He's done plenty of stage work as well. He's a focused actor, a confident actor, and an actor that I truly enjoy to watch and respect in my journey learning about great artists. It'll be an honor and a pleasure to talk about Mr. Ed Harris in the Actors Room, episode 123. Thank you for joining me. Sit back, relax, grab that beverage of choice, enjoy it, and I hope you're enjoying your day. Here we go. There are very few actors, uh, artists, directors, actors that I hold in a very special place in my heart or performers that I sort of have a strange connection with or just a certain feeling about. And doing research and finding out more about Mr. Ed Harris this past week or so was enlightening and to share that information with you in the actor's room will be fun and I hope you enjoy this episode highlighting a very talented man. He does it all. He does it with gusto, with strength, courage, and everything else that requires an artist to not only do a phenomenal job on the screen, but give us something a little extra to chew on. And not only that, but just talking about a man that is good within and without. Inside and the outside. Mr. Ed Harris was born on November 28th, 1950. I'm recording here early December, so happy belated Mr. Harris. (laughs) He grew up in Englewood, New Jersey, so close to New York City. So his family and little Ed would often go into the city and watch shows together. And this, of course, Ed loved to do. He grew up in a small town, and he referenced the fact That it was very much like a Leave it to Beaver household for the Harrises. The dad was into the arts. He was a singer and actually appeared on a few television shows like Perry Como. His father even managed several symphonies at one point in his life. So there you go. Ed's father was a big influence in getting Ed on his way. To become something in the arts, whether it was writing, drawing, or acting. I think it was always there within Ed through his father. His mother was a travel agent. So the mom, not really into the arts, but both parents were very supportive of their children. Ed is the middle of three kids, all boys. (laughs) So he's got an older brother and a younger brother. And they were a close family. Nothing brutal going on or anything of that nature. Edward Harris grew up in a loving family and a supporting family. And that's vital in the progression of Ed's confidence, which I think plays an important role in not only who he becomes as a man, but who he becomes as an artist. Edward did well in school. He was very popular. He loved to play sports. He played football and baseball. He was captain of the football team. That was Ed Harris. He was the star running back. He was so good In football, 
that he broke several school records rushing the ball uh, as far as yardage goes and scoring touchdowns. And he was actually in one of the local papers proclaiming, professing, (laughs) and just letting the city know just how good of a player Ed Harris was. He played baseball too and was the star catcher. So he got a lot of attention in high school. He was a good-looking guy, big guy. He was very athletic and popular, likable. Um, And the attention that he got through sports was something very important to Ed. He loved the attention. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Some people do shrivel with attention. It's a little bit of fame when you're popular in school. It's a little taste of fame when you have people talking about you, people referencing you and wanting to be your friend. No matter the circumstance, being popular or extremely popular will do something to your ego. And Ed's ego was stroked (laughs) when he was in high school and he wanted that feeling to continue on to college. And he went to and decided to go to Columbia University, so close to home, and he would be a running back in this school, continuing on his sports skills. Now, this is what happened. From what I get, Ed did play football, and he did the best he could, but as great as he was in high school, he was only just okay as a running back in college. So he had a little bit of that fame or attention sort of fade away with football. He needed something else to grab the attention of his fellow students and teachers and just everybody around him. And he set his sights on a summer stock production that he saw. There was something there that he could maybe do to be an actor. He saw these people on stage getting applause and said, that might be something I could look into to further on down the line, get the attention that I need. And even Ed has said this himself, how the attention that he got in high school faded and he needed something else to get his juices flowing. I think that's the kind of guy Ed is, was, always will be. Always needing that rush, that feeling of importance, that he's doing something and doing it well and getting that slap on the back. Uh, Folks, those of you who don't know this, actors, most of them anyway, I would say 95% of them love the attention. They do. The fame part sometimes can be a pain in the ass, but the attention that you get from, say, giving a good performance one night. And getting that slap on the back and people telling you you did a great job. You get a little high off of that. It's like a drug. It is. And I think that's why a lot of these stars or very talented and productive actors or whatever entertainers get into drugs and alcohol. Is they have to keep that high going. And if that high ever loses its feeling to them. Whether it's adulations on stage or the screen, whatever and it goes away, they fulfill it with drugs and alcohol. And like I mentioned before, Ed had his eyes at acting because he saw a summer stock production. And this was in Oklahoma. So Ed decides to transfer to Oklahoma University to study acting. He ends up studying at Oklahoma University for one year. And he liked what he was doing. And there was growth within this profession He might pursue. He got a job at a gas station that winter. And with the advice of one of his teachers at Oklahoma University, he decided to star in a play called Camelot as King Arthur. And this is this is good. Ed talked about this Camelot performance that he gave and says that he has no recollection whatsoever of performing in that play. He doesn't remember one moment of his acting or how good he did, whatever the case is. 
he can't remember it. But he does remember this about this situation. When he walked off the stage that night and the curtain closed, the crowd kept going and cheering for Ed Harris's performance. And he remembered that roar that the audience gave him. He said it was transcendent to him. So my point being confirmed that that transcendence he felt with the roar of the crowd giving him praise said that it, it gave him a high and a high that he had never felt before. And this is what happens in these circumstances. The acting thing got him right there and then and it, it had its clutches into Ed Harris and it will never ever let go. Because of this extreme positive experience with Camelot as King Arthur, Ed decides to move to California and he studies at the California Institute of Art. He's furthering his education in acting. He's serious about it and will continue to educate himself on the stage with teachers that give him support, the support that he needs. And he says that he received a great deal of support and motivation, almost extra motivation from one single teacher at this institute and says that if it wasn't for that one teacher, that special person in his life at that time, God only knows where he'd be right now. And I want to take a moment to talk about that very thing. And I was talking to my buddy the other day about this and how important teachers are. I don't think we realize just how very important a teacher can be and how many great teachers have you had in your life. When you think about that, from kindergarten till your highest education, how many great teachers did you have? I mean, we've had what? About a hundred teachers in our life. I might be exaggerating, but we've had a lot of teachers. How many of them really touched you and motivated you and want to be a better student or to go on and do something great? I don't think teachers realize how much, I don't know, inspiration they could give you. That special skill you can implant into a child or a teenager or a young adult. Hell, even a 50-year-old. Getting that special encouragement means so much to a student no matter what their age is and someone like an Ed Harris may be on the borderline of what he really wants to do with his life loves acting yes but will he make a living at it this teacher at this institute was a big reason why Ed had the confidence to go forward and thank God this teacher did that because if it wasn't for that teacher I wouldn't be able to enjoy <laughs> Mr. Harris's productions. Isn't Ed Harris great? Has he ever gave a bad performance? Can you think of one? And for the last couple of weeks, I've been watching nothing but Mr. Harris. I haven't seen a bad one yet, folks. Not one. Now, there have been a few movies I've watched of his that I didn't care for. But the actor himself and the characters that he portrays, they're always solid. 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 And I can't say that for most actors. A lot. A lot of actors. So, here we go. Continuing. Talking about this very talented, driven young man at this time. And mind you, he's still learning. He's in school, finding out about himself, finding out about what he can do. And getting back to his teacher, his teacher motivated him so much. Ed says that he began to look at the world differently at this time. There was a new way of life. And when that happens, doors open up all over the place. Not only outside this room of acting that he's learning, but within him. 
He becomes open to vulnerability, anger, uh, happiness, sadness. All of these things now become available. And that will make him a better actor. So he finishes up his time at the Institute and gets a normal job. Ed Harris became a house painter. And doing this house painting, making money, he still acts. But he does it locally at theaters. And it was at this time, he just enjoyed the work. It wasn't about getting an agent. It wasn't about getting headshots, sending them out, waiting by the phone, hoping and praying to get auditions. Ed says that this part of his life was vital and important because it was all about the work. It was just to do it, to get a role, no matter what it was, and to do the very best he could with no outside disturbances. It was just about acting. That was it. He painted houses, and then he acted. And then he slept. Sometimes he ate. But mostly, he lived, breathed, and loved acting. Folks, these are true artists. Ed Harris, he's a true, honest-to-God, unbelievably great artist. This time in his life was simple, pure, and real. Ed struggled at auditions. He shook. He shaked, and he was very nervous. He says that all of my pores opened up all at once, and I sweated like a son of a bitch. <laughs> so there are auditions could just they send you to levels of uh, uh, first off, you're thinking, I'm not going to get this. And if I do, what the hell am I going to do with this? Being studied that way, it's kind of like a job interview, but you're really... I get it, Ed. I do. And it's part of the business, though. It's just something you have to get used to. It took Ed 12 months to get his first television role. And Ed was so relieved that he got his first role, he cried in his car all the way home after the audition and finding out he got it. Cried. Ed Harris, so full of emotion, (laughs) cried his eyes out in his car all the way home. I don't know why that touches me a little bit. It meant something to Ed. It meant a lot to Ed to get that very first big role television role and obviously it meant something to him after all the hard work that he did in school and just living and breathing the art form you got to have a payoff and this was his payoff sort of having the door open for him a little bit and see if he could stay in the room the tv show was called gibbsville with john savage his co-star And Harris did a lot of TV in the beginning of his career, uh, sprinkling in some appearances in films, such as The Amazing Howard Hughes, The Aliens Are Coming, Borderline, Knight Riders, and Creepshow. Remember Creepshow? I do. Ed Harris is in it. He's in the beginning, and he's doing a weird dance. I don't think Ed Harris can dance very well, and uh, it's in full display in Creepshow. (laughs) It's a funny little jig. That uh, Ed shows us. Awkward. But you know what? That's Ed Harris. Then comes his big break. And we all know what that is. The right stuff. The astronaut movie. Great film, right? And he plays a young John Glenn. Does a phenomenal job. It's just a solid film. And I guess Ed auditioned. Did a shitty job. What a big surprise. Demanded a second audition. And after said audition, got the role. Determination, folks. Brad Pitt did the same thing. Brad Pitt auditioned, did a shitty job, and a river runs through it, and demanded a second audition. 
Ed Harris, same thing. Determination and almost a, I'm going to get this role. Okay? Telling the casting director, I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm going to get this. You don't think I did a good job? I'm going to do a better job. And I'm demanding that you give me a second chance. Places in the Heart was the next big one that Ed did. 1984, I believe. Starring Sally Field. Mr. John Malkovich. Who did a phenomenal job. When doesn't he give a bad performance either, by the way? (laughs) Mr. Malkovich. uh, He plays such a sweet character. Unlikable for the first, what, two minutes you see him on film? But just darling after that. Uh, Props to Mr. John Malkovich. And also to Sally Field. I think she's a phenomenal actress. Uh, I loved her since the 80s. I I think I've seen most of her work. Um, And Danny Glover. Well done. And heart-wrenching film, you know. Uh, It's just a well-done film. Uh, Ed plays... Uh, a man that cheats on his wife, uh, sort of a lost soul in love and, and gets the respect of his wife back near the end of the movie. Um, a solid performance. He did his job and he makes it work because I'm going to tell you what, the character itself is unlikable. He is, but you understand him. It's the, the sort of gentleness that Ed can put into a character, even if it's unlikable. You still kind of care for the guy. He isn't this big dick. I mean, he redeems himself at the end and is sorry for what he did for cheating on his wife. And you get it. And he gets his family back. And the whole movie uh, is just a heart-wrenching film. A lot to say. And one to view, at least once. Because it's not easy to watch. But uh, all in all, uh, a good one for Ed to be in. Because that film garnered many Academy Award nominations. And Ed was there to experience that. So from here on out, Mr. Ed Harris will embark on a phenomenal career. And give us, the audience, many performances that we can look on, respect, and just enjoy. So let's continue talking about the young career of Mr. Harris, some of the other films he did, and we're going to wrap it up, and I will give my take on the whole sort of uh, being of Mr. Harris and how much he means to me. One note, and a very big one, about Places in the Heart is that his love interest in the film, Amy Manigan, okay, will become his wife. They meet on this film. Now, they knew each other before, but they got intimate during the making of this film. And they are still together today. God, I love hearing that. So rare, especially in acting. These stars staying together because their lives are just crazy. But Amy and Ed, together, still today, made it work. They're madly in love with one another. Got to talk about The Abyss. Have you ever seen The Abyss? That's a movie. I mean, heart pounding and just stressful and tense and suspenseful. All the things that it should be. Right, Mr. Cameron? (laughs) Wow. Uh, Ed Harris really doesn't talk about this film. Uh, He punched Cameron, the director. Okay. He punched him during the making of this uh, because Ed nearly died. Uh, this movie, of course, involves a lot of water. They're underwater a lot. And there are a few things done uh, in this sort of a setting, in this kind of a film. It's dangerous. And Ed experienced all of that and doesn't think fondly of this film because it was just hard to do. It was stressful. There are a lot of bad moments, and, and most of the actors and crew do not smile upon this film. Uh, Ed will reference uh, from time to time how hard it was, yes. (laughs) Um, And these things happen in the art of acting, in the art of film. You're going to have experiences 
like this. Ed was open to do a film like this because he never, of course, did anything like this before. And because of what happened, we'll never do it again. We got a quote by Ed about making this film The Abyss. Quote, Asking me how I was treated during the filming of The Abyss is like asking a soldier how he was treated in Vietnam. End quote. There you go. The next film I want to talk about is Jackknife. This was done in the same year as The Abyss was filmed. And he looks completely different in this movie. My wife Amy didn't know that was Ed Harris until about halfway through the film. She says, Jeff, where's Ed in this movie? I looked at her and I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's Ed. That right there. I mean, he was on the screen when she said it. I said, that's Ed Harris right there. His face looked puffy. He looked kind of heavier. And I wonder if he did that for the role in Jackknife with Robert De Niro or was he going through something at that time and I think it might be a little bit of both but from what Ed has referenced in the past he went through some difficulties with alcohol during the 80s and a little bit of the 90s and he was so drunk the one time and I think they were filming the right stuff he was in a hotel, they were drinking, and they went outside to explore. I like to do that too when I'm drunk, or I did. You get a little nutty, you want to go outside and walk around and do weird, stupid shit. Well, Ed Harris did the same thing. He went outside the hotel, uh, grabbed one of the bellhop um, carts where you put your luggage and your clothes. He treated it like a skateboard, got on it, riding through the parking lot, hit a curb and flipped over and hurt himself, hurt his back. The director of the film found out what happened and scolded him. And he should be scolded at that point. If you're going to do damage to yourself while being drunk, you are putting the film in jeopardy. Not only your career, that's your bag. Uh, You're making that choice. You're putting yourself on the line to break your head open over a curb. I mean, okay, that's your call. Uh, But you're also putting the film that you're doing in jeopardy. Heaven forbid that happens and you break your head open. uh, The film could get ruined in some way. So Ed got yelled at for that and was told directly, do something about your drinking, pal. And he said he did. (laughs) And he will make note of that. When he gives an interview about alcohol, drinking, and says, all you out there, those of you who like to drink a lot or feel have a problem, my advice, get a handle on it. That's it. <laughs> and the way he talks, the way Ed Harris talks, like you listen. I wait, I do. When Ed Harris says something, he, he looks right into the camera. He says, if you have a problem with alcohol, you drink too much, get a handle on it. It's like, okay, sir, I will. And I, immediately. That's good advice because he went that road. He struggled, had a problem, nearly split his head open on set. Not on set, but during the filming of a project. Okay. Because he drank too much and was being a moron. (laughs) So that could jeopardize your livelihood. Is it really worth it? No. And Ed realized that and went, oh shit. And he handled it. But jackknife, that's what we're talking about. Jackknife. Underrated. Fantastic performance by Mr. Harris. Garnered him a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actor. He should have been nominated for an Oscar. That's so good. I enjoyed the film. Uh, And De Niro, of course. (laughs) You know, he's good. (laughs) He's pretty good. Uh, But uh, Ed Harris... He's going through whatever it is that he's going through. (laughs) Okay. Uh, He put something in his head and it it stuck in there. It's, I mean, it looked like he gained weight. He just looked out of it. Just out of it. 
Well done. Noteworthy performance by Ed Harris, Jackknife, 1989. Check it out. He also did another little film called State of Grace, starring Sean Penn and also Gary Oldman. I talk about this film often because I highlighted Gary Oldman. I highlighted Sean Penn. Okay. And State of Grace comes up when you simply talk about amazing performances. The movie, it's okay. It's fine. It's the performances that keep me coming back to watch it again. Robin Wright Penn, she's in it too. Ed Harris, okay, he's in the mix and he does a great job. He plays an Irish mafia uh, kingpin. And you could tell that that character really didn't have a handle on being like the boss. But he did the best he could. A really hard character to nail. But guess what? If anybody can do it, Mr. Ed Harris can. And he did in State of Grace. A gem of a film, one that you haven't seen yet, fucking shame on you. I swear sometimes I apologize. But I swear when I really want to get my point out there. I hope that sunk in for those of you who've never seen State of Grace. It's hard to find. So, <laughs> But you seek it out. <laughs> you seek it out. You find out where it is. You buy it. You rent it. You get it. Don't steal. Okay? I'm not advocating being a thief. But get your hands. Handle it. <laughs> State of grace. In this one, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Another clinic in uh, acting performances. Every acting student or acting hopeful should watch. It should be uh, a guaranteed viewing uh, option. Not an option. I take that back. It's not an option. It's required. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. It's a requirement to watch what is a play come onto the screen and done the way it should. Okay. They even added Alec Baldwin's character to the mix. Okay. Always be closing. <laughs> ABCs. You got Jack Lemon, Kevin Spacey, Ed Harris. Thank you. You have Alec Baldwin. Did I say Jack Lemon? I'll say his name again if I didn't. Okay. Al Pacino. Alan Alda. This, listen, listen. That's an all-star cast right off the bat. And they come together in this world of sales. They're selling real estate. And they're all under pressure. Okay. Except for maybe Al Pacino's character. Uh, Ed Harris gives uh, Alan Alda a rough time. The way he treats him, harsh. And another thing I want to mention about Mr. Harris, that guy can smoke a cigarette. There are some people, for me, that just smoke a cigarette beautifully. I, I don't know what that means exactly, or how I can say it to you and it not be stupid, but there are some, okay, Brad Pitt's another one, they just can smoke a cigarette. And Ed Harris, man, I'll tell you what. The way he handles a cigarette, he takes it, he and the way it exits his mouth, the smoke. I mean, he's just beautiful. And I don't know. It's weird things like that. I don't know what that is. Okay. Gabriel Byrne, another fine actor. They can smoke a cigarette. Gabriel Byrne. Okay. I know. It's weird. But... It's Ed Harris can chew up the scenery. He can chew up the atmosphere. He becomes the central part of that footage, that scene, the, the screenshot. Him and Alda sitting down, eating donuts and smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee, talking about their shitty life and how they're going to make it better. And, and Ed Harris is just controlling that whole scene. And he's sucking on that cigarette. He's drinking that coffee. He's buying the donuts and trying to convince Alan Alda to rob the office. Okay. 
And then at the end, when he has that scene with Pacino, you know, Ed Harris is leaving the office, okay? <laughs> you got to see it. Ah, oh, it's just, the whole movie is just, you know, orgasm worthy. Can you hear it in my voice, how much I like this film? Glenn Geary, Glenn Ross, written by David Mamet. He went to the Neighborhood Playhouse. <laughs> he tried to be an actor first, David Mamet, and realized he was a better writer. Oh, and not many writers are better than Mr. David Mamet in contemporary theater. It has been transferred over to film. Here's a couple little notes about Ed Harris talking about acting. He remarks that listening is vital in giving a truthful performance. Listening. It sounds easy. Just listen. Okay. Listen to your partner. And it's sort of like reading. When you sit down to read something. Like you did in school. And they tell you to read chapters 8 and 9 in your social studies book. And you go, oh. I don't want to learn about the tropical rainforest today. (laughs) And you're reading it. And you've read two paragraphs. And you haven't digested any of it. So you read it again. (laughs) And you read it again. And all you get is... You can read, but not digest. And the same could be said for an actor going on stage, looking at the person next to you, delivering their lines, and actually listening. Instead of waiting to say your line. There's a big difference. (laughs) And it's the great actors that actually listen to what the other person is saying. And if you're working with good people, good actors, they're actually meaning what they say. And not just saying the line. That's another thing. So if both people, both actors, are actually doing it right, the person talking is meaning what they say, and the person listening is actually digesting the words. And in the process, feel something about it. So when they say their line, they're actually giving it with emotion they received from their partner. Listening. Not waiting, but listening. It's almost the number one rule. Besides doing research and knowing your lines. It's listening. Ed says it's not only listening to your partner, but listening to yourself. And I like this because I never really heard that before. But it does make sense when you listen to yourself. You're listening to life. You're listening to your soul. And what you really want. This will take you out of your head. Edward says. I called him Edward just then. It really makes you be there. In the moment. You're involved. And you're not lying. That's where the truth comes out. Is when you actually listen. And then actually digest. Next up, China Moon in 1994. I like this movie. That's why I'm referencing it. It's a movie that I would recommend. It's got a good premise. Uh, The premise is very much like Body Heat with uh, Mickey Rourke, (laughs) Uh, William Hurt, and gorgeous Kathleen Turner back in the day. Body Heat. Uh, Same premise as China Moon. Not as good as Body Heat overall. But I liked it. And of course, Ed gives uh, his spin on what it would be like to be like hopelessly and devotedly uh, dedicated to someone that, uh, you know, turns you on sexually. (laughs) Uh, And then in turn, you fall for them. But uh, pathetic, maybe. But, you know, Ed, you know, (laughs) I just love watching the guy. These people I highlight, In my show, The Actors Room, uh, most of the time are actors that I just love to watch. They just, uh, for me, there are certain actors that I would kind of want to know in real life or feel that 
they would be somebody I could, uh, I don't know, identify with. I'm sure that you feel the same way about an actor that you liked or a singer, um, any entertainer, really, uh, a magician, anything. Uh, somebody that you enjoy watching their performance almost over watching the movie itself. Sometimes you put in a film that you've seen before just to watch a certain actor, not just the movie. Um, is that true? I think it is for a lot of people. They have certain actors that are their favorites. They do something for them. They entertain them, whether it's to make them laugh or cry. They're producing a feeling within you uh, whether it's sadness or happiness, it's a reaction that you're getting from this person. That's art and entertainment. I mean, and that's why we watch what we watch, isn't it? I mean, truly, it's to either to be very entertained or to be moved, to feel something. How often is it that you watch something and feel moved? Not, not many, um, but we search for it. We do. Every time we sit our ass down to watch something, we hope that we're moved by it and sit up in our seats and go, wow, that was really good. And it's those actors, artists like Ed Harris, okay, that I like talking about in the show. Hope you're enjoying the show. My name's Jeff Tarowski. Uh, we will continue talking about Mr. Harris. Uh, here's a little tidbit. Ed Harris is uh, a big believer in keeping up a very professional atmosphere on any set he's working on, whether it's on stage or on screen. And he made reference to the film crew and how vital they are to the success of a film and how respectful they should be to everyone else on set. He says they should shut the fuck up when the cameras roll. <laughs> so this tells me Ed in the past has had a bad experience with some film crews. Uh, it's all business with Mr. Harris, folks. Okay. All right. Acting means a lot to him. So I'm thinking somewhere down the line in his past, there have been film crew members who were being loud, obnoxious, when the director yelled action. And it's my belief that Mr. Harris made it be known on set for film crew members to shut the fuck up. This reminds me of Mr. Christian Bale on the set of one of his films. It was recorded, Bale going off, and someone in the crew that wouldn't shut the fuck up. Uh, Bale took it a little too far. I'm hoping Mr. Harris didn't do the same thing. Uh, I'm sure Mr. Harris looked at the guy. I'm sure this is. I'm sure this is what happened. I'm sure Mr. Harris was in the middle of filming something or just started, heard a disruption offset, stopped, calmly walked over to whoever was being a dick, and said, "Excuse me, sir or ma'am." Shut the fuck up. We're doing work here. And I'm sure that's the furthest it went. Because after that, that film crew member, I'm pretty sure, shut the fuck up. Ed does theater often. And does it when he feels he needs to. For example, uh, he met Sam Shepard on The Right Stuff. And Sam Shepard, of course, is a very good writer. Good writer. He's a brilliant writer and writes a lot of plays. And Ed performed for one of Sam Shepard's new plays and was honored to do it. Oh yes, oh boy, Apollo 13. Ed Harris enters the NASA office once again. He does it all. He puts on the research hat and dives into NASA terminology. He gets into it. All in, baby. Um... This one, for me and my brother, we talked about it. We consider it one of the greatest, best supporting roles ever in the history of film. Hard to deny. He is that guy in the control tower, folks. He's bringing them home. We're bringing those astronauts home, damn it. 
and it's all business. He gets him home. One of those performances. <laughs> you see the world on his shoulders. And then when the astronauts come home, the world, thankfully, falls off. And you could see the weight come off of this guy. And it's that, that, that having control thing, okay, with Harris. Um, he knows he's losing the control, but he has to show that he's a leader. And he's going to make sure that we're going to do all we can to bring these men back to earth and back safely. And the moment he has with himself when the astronauts finally come back to Earth is sweet. It's real. That's Ed Harris feeling it at that moment. The happiness, the joy, the relief, everything. It's just the, oh, man. Wow. Thank you, Mr. Ed Harris, for that performance. And of course... Nominated for an Oscar. Didn't get it. <laughs> I say, what? He's been nominated for four Oscars. Doesn't have one. He better get one before, uh, you know, he stops acting. Which he won't until he dies, by the way. But he better get one before he dies. He will. I'm saying right now, right here, right now, he will. He will. Ed Harris, I think within the next five years, will finally have his Oscar. It'll happen. If it's not five, it'll be 10 or 15. <laughs> or 20. I don't know. Next up, Truman Show. He plays a godly figure. He got the role a few days before they shot. This is unbelievable to me that Ed Harris gets this role just a few days before they start shooting, which means he didn't have any time whatsoever to do research. And he says it was a blessing. Uh, he says that if it took him a, an insurmountable amount of time to get into this character, he would have fucked it up. Ed, I disagree. I don't think he would have. He thinks he would have. I don't. <laughs> um, but he felt that just jumping into that character helped him sort of... Uh, Make it work. He had to tap into his ego. The super ego. He changed his posture. And he changed his stance. While playing this character. He had to play a father figure wannabe. Hmm. And once again. Nominated for an Oscar. Didn't get it. Now there are a couple films that Mr. Ed Harris will do. Next. That mean a great deal to him. Because not only will he of course star in these films. But he will write them. He will direct them. And produce them. First off. I don't think anybody realizes how hard. Okay, uh, it is to not only act in a movie or star in one. But to direct it. Write it. it all that stuff. Cast it. That is just, I mean, you are doing pretty much everything. And that's what he did with Pollock. He played the famous painter, the abstract artist. He wanted to do it because he found Pollock to be so fascinating. Uh, ruined, uh, full of pain. Uh, what else? Uh, the fact that he was an alcoholic and, and how Ed could uh, relate to that. Uh, the, the whole bag with Pollock. And I guess... Ed Harris's father, at one point in young Ed's life, okay, Ed's dad got him a book about Pollock when he was a kid. So that stuck with Ed. It happens, okay. He had a fascination with Pollock. So it was his goal to make this the best film he could. I like the film. I don't know if I love it. I love his performance. The film, I liked it. I wouldn't call it a masterpiece, but well done. And I give props to Ed Harris for sinking his teeth and for doing what he had to do to get this done. It's not easy to put a passion project 
into production. It's not. I think maybe 3% of them get done. I'm not kidding. There are so many passion projects for actors, directors. Like Stanley Kubrick wanted to do a film about Napoleon. His whole career. His whole career. And we're talking about Stanley Kubrick. Who I felt could have done anything. And he didn't get it done. He always wanted to do it. So there are projects out there that just don't get done. Ed wanted this to get done. And it did. <laughs> so, he's very driven. And if Ed Harris wants it to get done. I, my bet is it gets done. And he did it. He surrounded himself on set. Doing this with women. He said that he wanted to be surrounded by artful, talented, and uh, driven women. Um, I have, let's see here. I have this here. Pollux, uh, he surrounded himself with women on set. Including his wife, Amy Madigan. Which they work on other projects too. But this was a big one. He wanted an openness on set, he says. He wanted things around him to be inspiring. And he feels women contain that. That's awesome. And he just wanted that feeling. And he just loves the company of women. Don't you love Ed Harris? He's honest. And he allows... Whatever it is, okay, that gets him going or whatever it is that makes him feel comfortable in his art. Like, surrounding himself with women in Pollock. That was what he felt would make it successful or just to get done the right way. His way. And women helped him. Uh, they, They molded Pollock. With Ed, everything around Pollock, uh, and and I like that Ed also lived in the house that Pollock lived in, slept in his bed, and all of that stuff. Weird, but he felt it necessary to get into Pollock's being. And what's what's weird is Ed, he's not a painter. He never was. Okay, uh, and he never really will be. But for that short period of time, diving into Pollock, he was. He painted, painted, and painted. Every stroke he ever did while making this film meant something. Because every stroke meant something to Pollock. And Ed says he never wanted to imitate Pollock. He just wanted to do the best he could to show the world what Pollock had to go through to be the successful painter he was. It's all about the inspiration. And he worked so hard on this film. He collapsed on set. And he needed to be hospitalized. He gave his whole heart. His whole soul. And every bit of energy. To do it right. Props to Mr. Ed Harris. Ed Harris dedicated Pollock. To his parents, his mother and father. And I want to note that many times in my past shows, okay, I've stated that the great uh, inspirational actors, uh, most of them have fucked up childhoods. And it's these fucked up childhoods. That sort of make these artists better. Because they can tap into all the garbage. It's there. It's at the ready. And that's what makes them great. Ed Harris. Thank you. Is a direct distinction. In that sense. And thank God. (laughs) Okay. Ed Harris. Had a great childhood. He had amazing supportive parents that loved him and gave him the respect that he deserved to be a successful man and artist. And Ed Harris dedicated this film, a film that meant a lot to him. And like I said, he put a lot of time and effort into it and dedicated 
to the two most important people in his life, his parents. So Ed Harris is a prime example of an artist that had a phenomenal childhood, had wonderful parents and positive support through his whole life. Being a parent is a hard job. But you instill hope and you give praise to your children. And Ed Harris had that from his mom and his dad. So thank you. An example, Ed Harris, of doing it with positivity, drive, and firm support from parental guidance. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Harris. You did a fine job. You raised a good man a great actor and and an artist that I find inspirational. So very well done. And I don't know, I, I have to end this episode now. I'm getting a little emotional and I wanted to keep Ed Harris to one episode. I I could talk more about him, but we're going to take it with one episode with Ed, just a episode um, there are other films, of course, like uh, Appaloosa that he did. He also directed and starred and wrote that, Appaloosa. Uh, and I would recommend that one. And, of course, he's in Westwood, a phenomenal show. And I think I've said phenomenal way too much in this episode. I'm sorry. But that word just rings true with me. Okay, Describing Ed Harris, the phenom. He's more than that, though, with Ed. Um, There's something about him. I can't explain. I can identify with it, yes. But I can't put a finger on. And I told my brother in our episode about Best Supporting Actors, I said, Dave, I've never did any research on Ed. And this is, of course, a couple years ago. And he agreed. He didn't know much about him. But he said, Jeff, you don't need to. It's like you, you get something from his performances like you know the guy. And I don't, you know, I don't know him personally, but the research I did do, Dave was right. My brother was right. Ed's a good man. And I told my brother, I said, why is it that I feel I could sit down with Ed Harris, have a great conversation and be told great advice? Like he seems like a type of person you can get amazing advice from. You sit him down and you could talk to him for hours and get something out of it. Okay. And I watched an interview that Ed Harris gave on the Actors Studio with James Lipton. And at the end of that show, James Lipton asked him, what inspires you? And Ed Harris said he put his hand up against his nose like he did at the end of Apollo 13 when the astronauts came home. During the interview, Ed Harris puts his hand Over his nose and his face, he looks down and he goes, the one thing that inspires me the most is a good conversation. Folks, I can't make this shit up. Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski. We highlighted the very talented and actor and man that has a special place. Not only my art heart, but my heart. It was fun talking about them. I hope you learned something and maybe have a little bit more respect, maybe, or you just already had high respect for Ed Harris. I love him. And I hope someday I will have the pleasure to meet him. I would be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I didn't do it. I'm, my name's Jeff. How do I have it? And I'm sure he'd be like, I'm sorry, Jeff, it's okay. I'm a human being. Get off the floor. (laughs) I know. Yes. When I have like this thing with certain artists, you know, I just like, wow, they do such great things. And I wouldn't know what to say. (laughs) I'd say hi. (laughs) And the rest, I don't know what I'd say. (laughs) I probably wouldn't remember what I said. So thank you. It was about an hour perfect. I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day and thank you for listening to me talk about Ed.
please stay tuned for more episodes of The Actors Room. I try to do the best I can to get the episodes out there. It's not easy. I've been really busy. I just have been. Uh, a lot going on. Family. It's the holidays now. I'm just busy. And I want to give the right research and give a good show. I feel that's more important than rushing a show to give out every week. And you just get a half-assed effort on, you know, whatever. Whatever actor or film I do. I'd rather give a good show every month, okay, than give a shitty one every week. So there you go. Hope all is well out there. Uh, and those of you in the middle of your holiday, it's okay. <laughs> we'll get through it. The stress. What are we going to give to mom and dad for Christmas? What are we going to give the sis? What are we going to give the kids? Good God in heaven. Can we get through the holidays? And we will. It goes so fast. I can't. I, it's like a speed locomotive train. Boom. What, what happened in November, by the way? Did we have November? I, I don't. What happened? Anyway. My, my whole take on this. Stay sane. <laughs> stay safe. Be healthy. Watch film, watch your shows, enjoy your family, play a board game while you watch a movie. Uh, watch an Ed Harris movie tonight. Do yourself a favor. You won't regret it. He's one of the great ones. Okay. Ed Harris cares about every project he does. And they may not all be perfect. Okay. You know, you can't all be Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay, Daniel Day did like 20 films. And he's considered one of the greatest actors ever. That's rare. But an Ed Harris is an actor that you could sit down and watch full well knowing. He is giving his all. And those are the ones you got to respect. So, hang in there. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a good one.